It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. With me this evening, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, smartest guy in the world, Joshua Adkins. I wanted to add something, but I didn't have anything planned. So you are now the smartest man in the world. Uh, it's Monday night. Monday night football is about an hour and change away. So we're going to try to crank through this episode so we can go watch some Packers Lions. How's it going, man? It's going great. I'm definitely not the smartest man in the world. I will not take that, uh, that, that distinction kindly or, 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 uh, freely that, uh, that's definitely not true. Uh, I'm plenty stupid. Uh, I think I said the the, <laughs> the last chance to buy guy was Lavisca Chenault this week, and I know that's one of your games, but oof, it was brutal. It was not uh, it was not my strongest fantasy week. Let's say that. And listen, we're all gonna have uh, some of those every now and again. I don't even think it was like a disaster. I think I'm gonna go five and eight or something like that. But uh, there was plenty this week that had me shaking my head. Uh, I'm sure we can talk about some of it here today. Uh, on the show, we've got uh, we've got some game breakdowns from the game draft on on Friday night. Uh, we've got uh, Dallas, LA, uh, Denver, Jacksonville, and Buffalo, Miami. Those were all three of your games. I've got San Francisco, Philadelphia, uh, New England at the Jets, and then Cincinnati at Chicago in a game uh, that featured an injury to a quarterback that I'm sure we'll talk about. So a uh, lot to get to on the show, as we kind of always do before we get into those uh you know kind of games that we focus or that we that we feature uh we kind of just like to, to bounce it around the rest of the league kind of everything else that we saw we did go try to bet, uh, watch back as many of these as we could or watched a lot of it live uh so what do you got newts kind of any big takeaways from this weekend yeah you kind of put together a, a list of maybe players that are worth discussing discussion and uh from that list the name that's really kind of standing out to me and the guy that has impressed me a ton. It's Derek Carr and this Las Vegas Raiders yeah, team. Talk the, about him. the most surprising two and zero we have. I thought about picking this game, um, but I shied away from it. Uh, kind of wish I had because I, I did end up watching most of this game because it was the local yep. CBS game and the Fox early game was blacked out in our market. So, uh, yeah, I got nothing but praise for this man, Derek Carr. He might be the front runner for MVP. I mean, you can make case for Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, but uh, Derek Carr, as far as surprises go, um, he's up near the top of that list. I thought he played really well last year, a lot better than kind of the public was giving him yep. credit. I think I um, yeah, suggested he might be a buy for, you know, about a year. And, and I'm feeling a little bit vindicated on that call because um, things are starting to look up. He wasn't super reliant on, um, on uh, Darren Waller this game like he was in week one. Yep. He spread the ball a lot better. Hunter Renfro actually looks pretty darn good so he far this awesome. year. He has a yeah. little bit more juice than I've ever remembered seeing him in the past. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even Foster Moreau gets involved. I think they got a pretty darn good backup tight end. Henry Ruggs breaks loose for a long touchdown, uses the speed to get separation. All good things. Um, yeah, very, very, very uh, impressed by Derek Carr. Yeah, you hit on a lot of the salient points on the Raiders side. The one thing that I do want to caveat this whole conversation with, and I do think it's important to point out, uh, the Raiders offense was bad for about a quarter and a third. T.J. Watt played for about a quarter and a third of another quarter. Sure. I, I don't think that there's no link between the two things because this offense and what they could do really changed when T.J. Watt went out of this game. And obviously – 
We don't know what the status of Watt's going to be long-term. Certainly Pittsburgh's defense, which is, I think, a big reason why everybody feels so good about what Carr did is because it is a good defense. It was missing, you know, the best player in the league on defense and and their best, obviously, their best player. Um, so I do, I, you know, I don't want to pour too much cold water on this because I was. Oh, that's really a very impressed. fair point. Well, and I was really impressed with Carr. I've, you know, in that the second half, the second, you know, last third of that game on Monday night, he really started to take more downfield shots, and I think he did that again in this game. Uh, you know, the injury is a little bit concerning. He took a really kind of an awkward hit. Uh, Took him, you know, a while to get up. He, I think he missed a play or two and then came back. Uh, it sounds like he's day-to-day. We'll see. I, I'm with you. He's right up there in, in terms of MVP candidates, and and he played great here. Uh, everything, you know, is pointing up in in Las Vegas. Excuse me. I keep wanting to call them Oakland. I think you pointed out the two the two buys. Uh, Foster Moreau, I think, is a really good, a really good player. At some point, he's going to get a chance to be a starting tight end, uh, whether it's Las Vegas or elsewhere down the road. Um, and then Brian Edwards had a touchdown called back on, I don't know, fairly obvious holding call, but he looks like a guy that still is primed for a breakout as well. Henry Ruggs, uh, continues to impress me. So yeah, great, great performance by the Raiders this week. Uh, I think the biggest name of, of, you know, sort of the matchups that we didn't pick was in the local game here. Uh, the Arizona game, Rondell Moore absolutely put on, well, put on a clinic and I'm willing to say it. I know the long play was a. Uh, broken coverage and and Kyler Murray kind of just being Houdini in the backfield. But that's sort of a feature of this offense. That wasn't, you know, that's not going to be something that accidentally happens once or twice. That is sort of. Uh, yeah, that's going to happen a lot there. Right. That this whole offense is predicated on it. So I don't want it to be something that we go, okay, that's going to happen every week. But Rondell Moore was extremely impressive. I don't know if the first tackler got him all day. Um, he's to me, he's the breakout star from the rookie class, at least this week. Um, in terms of what you can expect going forward. And, you know, we talked a little bit about um, A.J. Green and potentially phasing him out of this offense. I don't think that that's necessarily around the corner. I think he's going to have a role. Uh, But I think this week went a long ways to establishing who the second best pass catcher in this offense is. And so I was extremely impressed with Rondale. If you can still buy, uh, go do it. Yeah, Rondale Moore is an easy guy to imagine. Um, succeeding with space. And when you think about how this offense is designed and how this offense has uh, appeared the first two weeks of the season, um, defenses absolutely have to account for Kyler Murray's legs. So whether it's spying him, whether it's kind of pass rushing a little bit differently, making sure they're not getting too deep down the field. And then you got DeAndre Hopkins on the outside where you certainly need to pay extra attention to him. There's plenty of room on the football field for Rondell Moore to find open space in non-traditional ways. They're going to scheme him a lot of yardage. And yeah, um, some of the late draft process, uh, rookie draft process, he was just kind of falling down the ranks and I'm still not really sure why. It's because of size, because everybody yeah. freaks out about size. He was 5'7". But there and, were so many size concerns in this class. It felt yeah. like he was the one that was punished more than anyone. Like, why was his size concern any different than Devonta Smith's or even Jalen Waddle or, I don't know, Kadarius no, Tony, Elijah Moore? Like, they're all undersized. No, and I totally agree. And it was actually funny. DeAndre Hopkins came out gangbuster in this in this game. And then they, they found Ronda Moore for that big play. Um, along with a really nice completion to end the the first half where Rondo Moore made like four guys miss, picked up 18 yards and got them into field goal range. And from that point on, it was like Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray were like, we're going to try out this this new toy because Hopkins really didn't score much 
uh, second half of that game. It was it was basically all Rondell Moore and, and Chase Edmonds, and the running game looked pretty good. This Arizona offense is going to be one that uh, really fuels some fantasy championships. I really believe that. And, um, you know, just as a, as a side note, I have Moore in a league where he's getting punt return and kick return yards oh, as geez. well. Uh, you know, and I kind of always knew he was going to be a guy that was going to be in my lineup, but I've, I've got a lot of more exposure in some leagues where that's not the case. And I think, uh, in more, so more of those than not, he's going to be in the lineup moving forward. Cause he is a, uh, an absolutely dynamic player. All right. From the Vikings side in this game, probably the headliner for dynasty managers is we've kind of got a new face in this offense. Um, I have a hard time giving Vikings dynasty related advice, but KJ Osborne <laughs> was one of the hotter uh, waiver pickups after week Good one call. in my deeper yeah. leagues. And uh, you got paid off if you picked him up and plugged him in your lineup. Uh, a lot of his production came on one early in the game, deep pass, but um I mean, what are you doing with KJ Osborne? Do you think this could be a real thing? Well, I don't think you can buy right now. I, I this Vikings offense has got enough good players that they're it's going to quiet down for Osborne here in a couple weeks. That you know, we talked about the play that Rondell Moore made to the eighty yarder or the seventy seven yarder was broken coverage. It's the same thing for Osborne, right. and I think it's something worth noting. But because of who we have at wide receiver in Jefferson and Thielen. Coverage is going to slant that way, and we might be able to slip receivers in behind and get some of these types of broken coverage plays. So, again, I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, a bug. It's sort of a feature of this offense and what we have with those two elite guys. Uh, that said, the weeks obviously aren't going to be this good. He is the third, you know, in the pecking order. Um, but from a Viking standpoint, and, and really really what I think it changes in fantasy more so than anything. Cause you're not, you really can't buy KJ Osborne off of this week. I think right. whoever picked him up is going to be asking for too much. I think sort of what it does is it, it indicates to me that there's not going to be a tight end um, worth really rostering or starting unless it's a, a, you know, in the absolute deepest leagues. I think the whole premise behind a Tyler Conklin being a, a potential guy that, that was startable was that he would be the, the third your third or fourth target, depending upon where you put cook in that pecking order. But I think that is KJ Osborne at this point. And, and he looked, you know, he looked ready to the task yesterday. He looked great. Yeah. And we've always thought um, before Irv Smith's injury that this offense could support three pass catchers. Yes. And um, originally the thought for that was the tight end position being the third, but um, with his injury and, you know, Conklin being a little limited and the new uh, Herndon, um, it's, it definitely makes more sense for it to be KJ Osborne at this point. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about old friend Cordero Patterson? I, I've been it. talking yeah. about him a little bit and I think you kind of laughed at me last week when I said Cordero Patterson could eat into meaningful, uh, running back snaps for the Falcons. And he, he damn near split the work with Mike Davis. I this week and he scored twice i put him on the show sheet because the question i had was is he the back to own in atlanta and i'm kind of leaning towards the fact that he is uh they're gonna be you know they frankly they hung with tampa bay more than i expected them to for longer than i expected them to that being said cordero patterson was a big portion of why they were able to do that he was a big part of that comeback um i sort of think they lean on this going forward and it's not to say that mike davis won't be involved at all Um, but you know, the pass catching role is probably the more valuable one to have in this offense. And, uh, Cordero certainly can do that and look pretty good this week. So, uh, yeah, I might, if I, if I laughed at you, I apologize because yeah, he, he, uh, 
he, I, I think he's the guy to own in Atlanta, and I don't know what that necessarily means. It probably means more flex value than it does RB2 value, uh, but you can still pick him up in FFPC in a couple spots that I've seen. So, uh, yeah, go grab him if you're in those shallower formats. Yeah, there's a lot of leagues that I'm in, even in deeper leagues, where um, I think he's still on the waiver wire. Yep. Um, if you are in the business of predicting game script, more often than not, Atlanta will presumably be playing from behind. So mm-hmm. um, I think this Cordero Patterson thing is actually a thing. So, um, yeah, if you get a reasonable offer for him, then I'd be hard-pressed not to pull the trigger and get out while the getting's good. But um, if he's a free acquisition, if he just costs you fab, uh, go get him. Agreed. I think we should talk a little bit about this L.A. and Indy matchup. There was a lot of, uh, you know, fantasy viable things that happened in this game. And I think some actionable stuff. Let's start on the L.A. side, because I think there's really one name to talk about. Cooper Cup. Absolutely yeah. dominant in the in the two weeks now. Uh, in, in terms of redraft, I think maybe that's the best way to start this conversation, because he is a little bit of an older guy. I think you're sort of looking at him in a one, two, three year window. Um, but Cooper Cup, how many wide receivers beyond Tyree Kill? Uh, and Devontae Adams, would you rather have than him in, in redraft right now? Man, that's a good question. I wish, uh, man, it's not many. It's, it's really not many, not. right? Yeah, yeah I maybe mean, Diggs. Um, I don't know. It's tough. Hopkins is right there, yeah, I suppose. Hopkins with probably, him. Yeah, Hopkins probably. Yep, yep. So I, but, I mean, you're valuing him in terms of a, a one-year sample based on what we've seen and what we kind of expected coming into the year. But this could be a top six guy going forward. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I don't see any reason why he couldn't be. Um, last year, I think he had a bit of um, unluck or bad luck. Unluck. <laughs> unluck. Bad That's luck. Nice. Yeah, I like yeah. that. A lot of bad luck with touchdowns. Uh, Robert Woods kind of had a career year with scores, and Cooper Cup had kind of a career low with scores. And yep. If any of the two, if you're going to show the, me film on both of them and tell, or ask me which one's more likely to score a touchdown in a game, uh, it's Cooper Cup. I've always felt that way. I think him and Woods are both going to be big factors, but I, I could easily see Cooper Cup being, you know, 10, 12, 13 touchdowns. And man, he looks good. He looks fantastic. And some of the run after the catch stuff was really impressive, too. He created a couple big plays on stiff arms and just kind of running over people. He, he's a fantastic player. I wonder, in Dynasty, do you have to pay wide, six, wide receiver six price? Because I don't think you do. And Probably. I guess maybe the way to shift this conversation is, is he, is he a guy that you're looking to sell in, in Dynasty um, if you're not contending? Is he a guy you're looking to buy if you are contending, even if, at a sort of elevated price here? Um, yes probably to both, but for sure. Yes. If I'm contending, okay. if I, I don't think there's any reason to believe Cooper cup can't be this good next year or the year after. So I'm not selling just to sell. Um, if I'm not contending or if I'm rebuilding, I'm trying to maybe get like, let's say the contender snuck into Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Give me Jalen Waddle at the trade deadline or something. Sure. But, if I'm a contender, I, I think I'd feel pretty good about giving up future draft picks for Cooper Cup and trying to go win a ship. Yeah, and then on the indie side, I think, you know, they had a frenetic comeback here. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was very invo- involved early in this game, actually looked fantastic between the 20s, uh, but was stuffed on the goal line, I think, on three separate uh, possessions. So um, really deserved a touchdown. I thought he looked better than the stat line is going to indicate. I think there's going to be some worry out there. 
maybe go make one or two offers in some leagues where you don't roster Taylor. Um, I think he's maybe a guy that's as attainable as he's been in the past uh, eight to 12 months. Um, And then the big breakout came from Michael Pittman. But I think really the more pertinent information is that Carson Wentz got hurt in this game. And it looks like he's now dealing with injuries in both ankles. He looked fantastic here. Um, And Jacob Eason comes in and, and threw an interception on his second pass. So, um, a lot is hanging in the balance here for for Pittman managers and frankly for Pascal, who's been uh, pretty good, has now caught touchdowns in two straight. Uh, it was unfortunate to see for once, and especially for indie fans who you know kind of uh, looked like they were coming back in that game, and, and then Wentz goes down. Uh, obviously, we don't have any information on Wentz in terms of his injury status, um, but you're in agreement with me that Michael Pittman goes from what looked like a smash start based on how the first three quarters of this game went to a guy who's borderline unstartable if it's Jacob Eason under center. Is that fair? Uh, fair fair to say? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, then let's maybe move it on. I got a couple quick hitters here. Uh, it sounds like Jarvis Landry has an MCL sprain, so he's going to miss at least a couple weeks here. Uh, Demetric Felton had one of the runs of the day. Yeah, that um, was awesome. Really talented player out of UCLA is kind of a running back wide receiver hybrid. Um, I don't think anybody is going to completely replace Jarvis Landry's role. And I wonder how much this expedites the timetable on Odell Beckham coming back to the lineup. Uh, but for a couple weeks, they're going to have to do more than just run the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And um, Felton's a guy that to me is, is a sneaky pickup and, and, even a guy that potentially could get started in in plus matchups here for the next couple of weeks if if uh, if your team really needs it. I was really impressed. Yeah, it's funny. I had Felton on both of my dynasty best ball teams, and he snuck nice. into my lineups this week with that one play. So I, I was happy to see that. And, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I did read earlier today that Odell is likely to play week three, yep. so let's hope so. Um, yep. If, if not, uh, I want to see, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones with a bit more of an expanded role. Um, I, 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 he's going to be one of the guys that I have a hard time quitting if it doesn't work out. Yep. And then the other guy I think we should definitely touch on is Najee Harris. We already talked about the Las Vegas side of that uh, that game, but Najee looked great. Um, something we didn't note is that Deontay Johnson, who also looked fantastic in that game, 100-yard game, uh, another, I think, eight or nine catch performance for Deontay hurt himself on the last play. Um, you know, Najee, I think, could see a significant bust or bust, a significant bump in targets and just uh, sort of workload in general if De- Deontay Johnson has to miss some portion of time. Uh, he's really what allows them to get into that quick passing game and give uh, Ben quick outlets and spread the formation out. I think without him, uh, that sort of all falls apart, and I think they have to go to a much more of a, a power sort of style of football. Um, I think that could also potentially boost the uh, stock of Pat Fryermuth, who looks to have uh, basically completely taken over this tight end job. Eric Ebron had a really costly drop on third down early in the game, um, and you did not see very much of him the rest of the way. It was all Pat Fryermuth. So um, he's been a guy that we sort of have been banging the drum for, uh, the last month of preseason, and I think it's it's coming to fruition. Uh, Pat Fryermuth is going to be uh, he's going to be inv- involved in this offense weekly going forward. I believe that. 
Right on. Should we move it on to uh, our game draft games? You got anything else? Uh, I think the one last name I want to talk about is Marquise Brown because he looked good again mm-hmm. last night. You know, he he missed two practices this week and and was still able to be heavily involved in this game plan. I thought that was good to see. Now, uh, kind of a third player in a row that we've talked about with a completely broken play and a really nice play by their quarterback in Lamar Jackson with that sort of hop throw as he's getting tackled to to set Brown up for that touchdown. But, I mean, Brown's looked really good in two straight weeks now. This offense obviously will be getting Rashad Bateman back at some point. But Marquise Brown is a guy that still has sort of a depressed price and I think might be falling into a more trustable uh, realm than I think maybe people are are giving him credit for. I think he's still a guy that you could go make um, a contending buy offer on it. And, and those are the types, especially when I'm contending, these are the types of guys that I target where um, he's, he's just a, a couple years removed from being a first round pick. I know Bateman is a guy we both love, but there's no saying that he couldn't be the number one alpha in this offense. He's got the talent, the route running, um, and especially the speed to make it happen. So uh, I've been really impressed with Hollywood. Do you want to kick us off on the game draft, or you got anything else? You got one. No, I, I pretty much echo everything you said with Hollywood. Uh, I'm glad you brought him up too. Uh, let's move, or I'll start with uh, probably the game that I just want to fly through the quickest. I'll, I'll start with the boring stuff: Buffalo and Miami. Great pick by me, 35 rip. Uh, <laughs> probably would have been a much more interesting game if Tua didn't go down on the second yeah. drive. That was obviously upsetting for me. I got to watch a lot more Jacoby Brissett than I was bargaining for. It kind of looks like Jacoby Brissett just uh, took the nameplate off of Ryan Fitzpatrick's old jersey and threw his on. That dude's got some sleeves, man. Those sleeves go down to his elbows. That's an old school look. I kind of dig it, but I didn't really dig his play. Uh, hard to see Jalen Waddle um, being the player that I want him to be unless Tua is the starting quarterback. But the good news on Tua, didn't break any ribs. I think it was just some bruises. Maybe he misses a week. Doubt it's any more than that. Uh, obviously, pay attention to that if you're so, counting on any of your Dolphins. Yeah, it sounds like it's simply a pain tolerance thing. How much right. can he How much can he? You know, sustain? How much uh, does it hurt to throw, et cetera, et cetera? So, um hopefully we'll see him out there but yeah i don't think it's anything long term keep going yeah i don't really want to make any uh grandiose statements on any of the miami pass catchers anytime a quarterback goes down in game hard to evaluate them i will say about the miami running game it's a mess uh it's a hard avoid for me if miles gaskin has a good game try and get out they basically split carries evenly three ways yeah. between Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, and Selvin Ahmed. All of them are just a guys. So, uh, yeah, if you can get if you can get out on any of it, just get out. Um, it felt like he was maybe the easiest fade in all of fantasy football. Right. This year. It seems certainly uh, pretty darn obvious yeah. in hindsight. We should have yeah. should have banged that drum a little louder. Uh, don't have much else on Miami as far as Buffalo. Um, Delvin, Devin, not Delvin, Devin Singletary rips off a long touchdown run early in this game. Uh, I mean, it was a nice run. He used his speed to score, but the hole was pretty darn wide open. I'm pretty sure anyone at least gets a big chunk of yards on that play. Still good to see. Um, Zach Moss fumbles early in this game, but he does score two hard earned touchdowns later in this game. So this, this has become a mess again. Um, my personal advice is if you're getting offers for either of these players, real offers, I'm selling. Um, if I had to choose between the two, I, I maybe take locked and, um, 
unreliable on this advice, but I still feel like Zach Moss is the better talent. So if I had to be right long term, I'm still, I guess I'm still on the Zach Moss bandwagon. Would, but you, I, would you take a second round to get out, second rounder to get out on either of them? I think so. Okay. And I think that's about where I am too, especially it, it would be dependent upon um, how much I needed them to start and how much of a contender I was. But I think uh, just as sort of a vacuum price, I think that's about where the value stands. And I think you're right. If you can get an offer or you uh, can get some interest, it's maybe the time to do so. Uh, you got anything else on Buffalo, Miami? Yeah, I do. I, I'm not going to give any f- dynasty advice on this, but uh, even though the Bills won 35 nothing, I will say I'm a little bit er, – concern's not the right word. My, my antenna's a little bit up with Josh Allen. Yeah. He just didn't look like the Josh Allen of last year to me in this game. I counted like five underthrows, which – is maybe he's dealing with a little bit of dead arm or something early in the season, but something just didn't feel right with his throwing in this game. Um, I I don't know. He just doesn't have the zip I'm used to from Josh Allen, and and maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just a weird little soreness thing, but uh, I think it's something we should pay attention to over the coming weeks. Yeah, I didn't see a ton of this game because it was uh, obviously so lopsided. I did see him drop one right in the bucket to Emmanuel Sanders, but uh, beyond that, I didn't see a ton of this game. So yeah, he underthrew uh, Diggs really bad on a deep cross. That would have been an easy touchdown. Should have okay. been an easy touchdown. There was another underthrow on a contested catch that Diggs did make, but it was probably ten yards underthrown that Diggs made a hell of a play to come back and get. Um, but yeah, there was, uh, I think on the, even on the Dawson Knox touchdown, the ball wasn't really where, I mean, he could have put that ball in a much easier position, position for Dawson Knox to catch. He kind of threw it at his ankles and, um, he didn't need to. So there, there were some concerning throws and not very accurate in this game, but like I said, one game, Josh Allen was incredible last year. So I'm not really advising anything other than just pay attention. I agree. Yeah, nobody should uh, nobody should be looking to to hot potato Josh Allen. Uh, let's keep it in the division. New England at at New York Jets. Also, kind of my least interesting matchup here. Uh, let's start with the winning team. the The Patriots get her done here. Mac Jones gets his first win as a pro. Uh, kind of the Denny Green line applies here. Uh, he is who we thought he was. I mean, nothing spectacular from Mac Jones. Just incredibly proficient. Uh, makes very few mistakes. The mistakes he does makes uh, does make, excuse me, are you know spiking the ball into the ground, not getting past the line of scrimmage to get rid of it. Uh, little things that don't really necessarily impact the offense too much. Makes enough plays here to get it done. Wasn't spectacular. Uh, really was buoyed by you know a pretty strong run game for most of the game between by Damian Harris. He looked awesome. Really, the one run that everybody's seen was really good. Obviously, broke, I think, seven tackles on the way to the end zone. They kind of rugby piled him in. Uh, but he was he was really the the starter. No penalty from the fumble from the, the week before. In fact, Ramondre Stevenson was inactive in this game. So uh, it appears that Damian Harris has this role until he really screws it up. And um, it, more than just on that long run, he was making people miss and he was breaking tackles. He looked really, really good. Um, I don't have a ton else to say. The, this offense seems really spread out in terms of the pass catchers. Uh, John, who had a couple nice plays, they're trying to design some things for him, but just there's not enough really to be advocating strongly in any direction for these wide receivers right now. Maybe some uh, some injuries will happen, some you know things will change, but for right now, I just 
there's really nothing beyond the the starting running back and Mac Jones and maybe James White uh, that you're considering starting. Uh, onto the Jets side, it was an absolutely brutal day for for Zach Wilson. He was horrendous here. Uh, four interceptions, the first two of which, you know, I'd like to see Corey Davis make a play on at least one of those. Uh, both of them did hit his hands first, one of which he pops up into the air. It gets bounced around three or four times and picked off. The other goes straight through his hands to a defender. Now, they weren't good throws or good decisions, but both of them, you know, you got a rookie quarterback back yeah, there. Yeah, bail just, your guy out. Yeah, they just paid you a bunch of money. I would have expected him to make one of those plays. But at the end of the day, uh, either those passes affected him or he just – Wilson never stopped taking chances and uh, threw a just absolutely boneheaded interception to J.C. Jackson where Elijah uh, Moore was the intended target but was totally covered up. Uh, just an awful day for Wilson. I don't think – you know, I've been a supporter of Wilson. I know there's been some in the fantasy community that have been pretty harsh on him, maybe uh, not even just after this game, but leading into this game. Um, I, I still like what I've – maybe not what I've seen in this game, certainly what I saw in maybe a half of last week. Um, but just I think the player's still in there. It's just it's going to take some time. Uh, I think we all kind of thought that. Maybe he was actually rushed into this job a little bit before he was ready. Um, but he did not look good. If you can go by in Superflex, I'm advocating for it because I still think um, I, I think the quarterback one, especially the high-end quarterback one that we're all searching for, uh, is still in this player. It's just he's got to be a lot smarter with the football than he was today. Uh, bright side for the Jets, I thought Michael Carter uh, was pretty clearly the best back in this in this backfield this week. Ty Johnson had a couple nice runs, but. Uh, Carter really was the one who was able to create for himself despite uh, relatively poor blocking. He, he had a really nice screen catch where he broke three or four tackles on a 17-yard gain. Uh, he looked fantastic. I think you know better things are, are ahead for Michael Carter. I think he's a guy that is trending towards flex and even RB2 territory within the next month or so. Um, and a little bit of a bounce back for Elijah Moore. I'm not going to say it was a fantastic game, uh, but he did have four catches, I think about 40 yards. So uh, at least something to build on after what was a very disappointing uh, week one. All right. My next game, I did the Denver Broncos and Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll start with the negative stuff. The uh, Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence marriage is off to an awful rocky start. Yeah. They say something like 50% of marriages end in divorce. This one seems headed that way, maybe quicker than we would have thought. Urban Meyer might tuck tail between his legs and head back to college, much in the way of Nick Saban. Wouldn't shock me at all if this is a one-and-done thing for him. And uh, it's a shame because uh, it would be nice to see Trevor Lawrence have some stability um, long-term, at least early yep. on in his career, because – He's not as NFL ready as we thought he was. This has been a really eye-opening start to his career. Yes. I've watched both of his games, and frankly, he's looked pretty bad in both of these games. He didn't really get a lot of help from anyone in this game other than Marvin Jones. Um, they've yet to really have any chance to get James Robinson going. They've been behind um basically the entire season. So <laughs> this is bad news for James Robinson managers. I still think there's a talented player there, but you're just not going to, he feels like I need the ball a lot type of running back to be yeah. successful. So, yep. I mean, wait for it, a good week and try and sell, I guess would be well, the advice on him. 
it was at least good to see that he largely out-touched Carlos Hyde. Yeah, he Hyde wasn't and splitting his yes. 12 carries with Carlos Hyde. At least yep. there's that. Um, unfortunately, LaVisca Chenault, a guy we are both very heavily invested in and included <laughs> on our uh, – if you wouldn't have put him on your last chance to buy list, I might have put him on mine. He was one of my favorite players in Dynasty uh, this offseason to acquire, and – yeah, it was a bad game for him. No Literally, sugarcoating yeah. it. He he had some plays where they tried to get him the ball in space, and he wasn't able to make that tackler miss. You just got to beat one guy, and that's a big play. And then there was a few drops, and then he got hurt. At least the shoulder injury is expected to be minor, and he Stop. should be available next week, they that's, already reported. Yep. So yep. Um, at least there's no injury that we really need to worry about. Hopefully it's not something that lingers and affects his play, but obviously we need – to see more out of this kid. He kind of needs to carry this offense. Really the only bright spot in this game is Marvin Jones Jr., another guy mm-hmm. that I've advocated for a lot for contenders to go and buy because it probably wouldn't cost you much. I thought he played really, really well, and he was really the only thing Trevor Lawrence had to look for that would do him any help. He's a pro's pro. You know, he he continues to impress and is a value literally every season. It did, yep. you know, uh Death taxes, Marvin Jones Jr. Thank you. That's actually what I was looking for. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> how about right? the How about the Denver side? Yeah, a lot more positives here. Teddy two gloves. Um, everyone wants to call him t- check down Teddy, but I saw a stat yesterday that he's fifth in the NFL so far in average depth of target. Teddy's letting yeah, the baby. ball air out, and he was chucking it deep to Cortland Sutton seemingly every other play this game. Deep ball, deep ball, deep ball. A lot of them worked. Cortland Sutton was not putting him on this type of a game. He looked really hobbled leading into this game. Yep. I saw a practice video of him trying to jog where it looked like me trying to get walk <laughs> to my car in the morning after a long day of pouring concrete so really really happy to see Corlin Sutton have the kind of day he did after the long injury with Jerry Judy out um I'm, I'm back to being on ecstatic levels for the potential of this offense Tim Patrick scores looks pretty good in a limited role um Noah Fant scores too that was good to see I, yeah. I do kind of want to see I don't know if if it's just my eyes, but he feels a, still a little too bulky to me. I would yep. like to see him maybe drop 10 pounds and try to use his natural athleticism a little bit because Alberto can block. They, I don't think they need Noah Fant to be as much of an inline blocker as they've kind of relied on him to be. Yep. Open him up in the passing game, especially with Judy out. I think he's a weapon they may be underutilizing a little bit. Um, and really my biggest take on this game is – this Denver backfield needs to stop being a split and it needs to be Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon, I, I've been saying this as long as we've had a podcast. He's really not that good. He has equity yeah. from his name and his past success, but at this point in his career, he's just not that good. And Javante Williams looks like he could be a very special player. I want him to get most of the work going forward. And I think that will change within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think we've all expected the changeover will happen at some point in this in this season. Uh, why don't we move it to Cincinnati at Chicago, a game that the uh, the Bears get done. Uh, Joe Burrow uh, really struggled in this game until it was kind of comeback mode and then did make a play or two. But, uh, you know, for a better chunk of the game, they just really struggled to pick up any yards on offense. They really struggled on third down, got stuffed a few times in the run game. Um, incompletions. It felt like Joe Burrow was forcing the ball in, into coverage. Um, and then uh, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, he uh, 
went from 200 almost, I believe it was 199 technically, straight completion or straight uh, passes without an interception uh, to throwing three straights. So uh, it was a pretty brutal turn of events, the first one of which went to uh, Roquan Smith and went back to the house for a touchdown. Uh, it was actually kind of a, a telegraphed play. They had run the same the same play backwards, essentially mirrored concept um, on a previous third down that drive, and it worked for a big play to uh, Tyler Boyd. Uh, but they went back to it, and the Bears had it sniffed out and, and picked it and made him hurt. Uh, the next two interceptions, to some degree, one was uh, he was getting hit as he was throwing, uh, and, you know, that ball just kind of pops up into the air to a defensive lineman. The other one was a, another really horrible read. Uh, that was pretty easily picked off by the Bears' corner. Uh, just a tough day overall for Joe Burrow. He does get that one long completion to Jamar Chase towards the end, and then the T. Higgins uh, touchdown to follow it up. Um, but, you know, a tough day for him. I, I worry a little bit about this Bengals wide receiver core. Uh, and the reason I say that is uh, I feel like this is a really good team at beating zone coverage. Jamar Chase, especially against cover two, if you let him go, you leave him that window. Uh, you know, he can he can beat that coverage. T. Higgins is fantastic over the middle. Tyler Boyd uh, really knows how to sit down in the soft spots of defense. But I just I don't know who their man to man beater was and or is. And frankly, when Chicago went to that, it felt like the best option was to maybe just chuck it deep to Jamar Chase. And maybe that's what they'll have to do some more of. But T. Higgins is not a guy that's generating a huge amount of separation, can post up as he did on that touchdown, but not particularly great man-beating man player. And I don't think Boyd's that guy either. So um, I really think there's an opportunity for Jamar Chase to, to really step into that role, uh, even if it's just as a deep target. Because the one thing I do know about him is he can separate late. Uh, he's done it now basically twice. As soon as the ball goes up in the air, he might be covered or has, have a guy trailing by a yard, but then he gains four yards of separation as the ball is in the air. Uh, he's a special player in that regard. We need to see a little bit more of him uh, winning in the shorter areas of the routes, and I think that would really sort of um, unlock this Cincinnati offense. Mixon, the stat line's not great here, uh, but he looked good. This was more just a case of Cincinnati's offense never really got anything going until uh, they were in full comeback mode. So, uh, no panic there. I think if if you have one last chance to buy Mixon, go do it because I think he's in for a big year. Uh, On to the Bears side. Obviously, I mentioned at the front end of the show that uh, Andy Dalton uh, did get hurt in this game. So we got to see our first uh, real action of Justin Fields. I know he played a couple snaps on Sunday Night Football, scored a touchdown. Uh, but our first, you know, extended action with Fields. Uh, it's unfortunate for Dalton. He looked pretty good in this game up until the point where he got hurt. Uh, connected with Allen Robinson on a nice slant route where he really put some gas on it. Uh, good catch by Robinson. He frankly looked pretty good. And I think, you know, we can't believe coaches necessarily. We'll just have to see how this plays out. Nagy has come out and said that that Dalton's the starter when healthy. Um, I guess I'll sort of believe it when I see it because you saw some of um, the reasons that Justin Fields, you know, really does, I think, deserve to be this team's quarterback. Uh, in the very near future, if not right away. He he did make the one really bad mistake on the interception to Logan Wilson, a play that was kind of a – it's kind of a gotcha from an NFL standpoint. They walked six men up to the line of scrimmage, actually had all six initially come, and then one backed out. It was Logan Wilson. He dropped right underneath a, uh, a drag route, slant route to Marcus Goodwin and picked it off. It was really the one 
uh, real negative that Fields had in this game. He, he made a really nice layered throw to Darnell Mooney that unfortunately Mooney couldn't come up with. Uh, he made a really nice throw down the sideline to Allen Robinson. Really should have been Robinson's second touchdown, but he couldn't haul it in. Uh, you know, there's a lot of football in front of Justin Fields, but from the eye test, uh, I thought he looked great in this game. I thought he did enough to to keep the Bears in a position to win. And while, you know, we have to kind of take Matt Nagy at his word, uh, he frankly, he looked really good to me. He looked ready for the moment. And I know there was the one big mistake, but um, I know we talked last week about hoping he could hold this job. Um, I think he's he's he showed enough in this game for me to believe that if the Andy Dalton injury is a two, three week extended injury, that Fields is not going to give this job back. The last real note, quick note I'll make on on the Bears, uh, David Montgomery, I thought, looked good again in this game. But I, I, what I want to say about Cincinnati is I think this defense is becoming an avoid for rushers. They uh, with Larry Ogunjobi, the, the addition of Trey Hendrickson, it was it was a real sh- uh, shame to see Aziz Ojolari get hurt. But this front seven with Logan Wilson and, and Jermaine Pratt in the back, you know, in the at linebacker, uh, this is a good rush, you know, uh, defense. And I think maybe that was not how I was playing it coming into this year. I don't know that they're a full avoid because I don't know who is really, but uh, uh, they've been tough against the run the last two weeks. Yeah, the the uh, Carolina Panthers might be an avoid. I think they've allowed yeah. something like 57 rushing yards this year. But, but that, yeah, Trey, Trey Hendrickson's really splashed to me in yeah. the few games I watched. That was a good signing by them. He's a good player. I think we just always didn't want to believe it because he was a saint. We don't yeah. have a ton of great things to say about them. Uh, yeah, no, I, the Carolina, you're right. They were really good yesterday. But I kind of saw that one coming. I did not see Cincinnati right. being this yeah. game front seven. Uh, and I think that's what sort of separates them here. Why don't you get us to your last game? Yeah, Dallas uh, Chargers. Um, it was a fun game. I was hoping for maybe a little bit more fun. The referees kind of got their their two cents in a little more often than I would have liked to see. This taunting nonsense needs to oh, stop. It's, the worst. it's every yeah. year the NFL needs to shoot themselves in the foot on something. And this year they decided that Keenan Allen can't job with another cornerback. There was literally nothing malicious. It was just trash talk and a flag gets thrown. It's like ridiculous. Justin Herbert had another phenomenal game that wasn't really phenomenal in the box score. Yep. He had 83 yards taken back on penalties. And frankly, I don't think either penalty he was deserved a big long touchdown pass to Donald Parham that will never um, actually exist, unfortunately. And then uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the other touchdown pass. They got called back. I think it was uh, Jared Cook. Actually, there was an illegal motion where the guy wasn't quite set long enough. So those type of ticky tag mistakes, whether they're warranted for flags or not, they're they're still frustrating. But uh, yeah, Herbert's the real deal. I think there's only one quarterback in the NFL that throws a prettier pass than him, and that man is Patrick Mahomes. And that's Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely love the way he's throwing the ball. Um, There were two interceptions. I'm not really sure if either of them was his fault. Sometimes it's hard to tell if the guy maybe ran the wrong route or he's anticipating him to sit 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 down in his own or something so hard to really blame him for either of them thought Austin Eckler looked pretty good in limited usage they seem to be playing from behind a lot so couldn't really get him going but the one guy maybe out of anyone in the NFL that's kind of opened my eyes um a lot this year is Mike Williams I really loved him as a youngster Mm -hmm. and I kind of gave up on him a little bit and now he looks like a, a brand new guy this year he's 
His athleticism seems to be as good as it's ever been. He's making stuff happen after the catch. Um, he's a big buy for me right now after watching this team these first two weeks. I'm going to try to get me some Mike Williams. I know I put Jalen Guyton on my last chance to buy. That was probably a stupid thing to do. I, th- I think he's a good player, but Mike Williams is the guy that's the last chance to go buy. That's what my list should have included on our last episode. Well, I think you brought up something interesting because you think of Mike Williams as this jump ball, physical red zone, uh, red zone guy. The thing that has impressed me the most is the run after the catch recently. He's making people miss. And, you know, he's not going to really break a bunch of tackles. But, you know, at the tackle point, he can still dive for four more yards with that big frame of his. He's he's a fun guy to watch. And if he can stay healthy, the big numbers, the high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one season uh, is in there with a quarterback like Herbert. So. Uh, I, I think you're making good points. I think this he's, might be the yeah the last chance. He's doing a, a lot of the same things that made me fall in love with Michael Pittman on field on yeah. the field last year and so far this year are what's really shining to me on Mike Williams. Yeah, you we knew he could go out and make a jump ball catch, but yes. we really weren't sure what else his game had. And I'm seeing a lot more nuance to his game. He's going over the middle. He's making tough catches, and he's doing stuff with the ball after the catch. Really been impressed by him. I think the biggest talker in this game, though, uh, is on the Dallas side of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get through the other stuff real quick. Uh, Dak Prescott, not really his best game, but not really his worst game either just didn't get the touchdowns for you. So fantasy-wise, a little disappointing. But they were running the ball really well, so they just kind of stuck with what was working. Um, CeeDee Lamb looked great. Um, Not a monster stat line, but what he can do with the ball after the catch is uh, next-level stuff. But the conversation we need to have is Tony Pollard versus Zeke, if it even needs to be a one or the other type of thing. But I'll bang my chest a little bit. I've been on the Tony Pollard bandwagon. yeah basically since uh, they drafted him, sort of, or at least since I got my first looks at him in the NFL. Uh, Zeke actually thought played pretty well in this game, but Tony Pollard's performance was very, very eye-opening. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. His contact balance in this game was unbelievable. So slippery um, and so quick through the line of scrimmage. He gets to that hole quick, and he makes makes smart cuts. Uh, he made really good cutbacks in this game. I, I literally couldn't point out one flaw in his performance in this day. And Zeke had uh, – he was kind of slow to get going, which is maybe the M.O. of Zeke, even when things were good, is um, he's kind of a beat you down and take advantage yep. later type back, and that's kind of the way this game played out for him. And maybe Tony Pollard's a beneficiary of a lot of the ham and egg and that Zeke does, but – Um, As far as dynasty stuff, this is when the discussion becomes a lot more interesting. Some would say sell Tony Pollard off of this. You probably didn't pay much to get him. I'm going to say not so fast, my friend Lee Corso. (laughs) Tony Pollard is still a buy for me. Yes, you're paying a little bit more today than you were yesterday, but this role is real. It's not going to change. They're going to use both these guys. It could be a 60-40 split. And I'm telling you right now, don't be surprised if Tony Pollard's the 60 and Zeke's the 40. Yeah, after and I watched a lot of this game. This was on in the local market, and obviously I was watching a lot of Vikes, but this was kind of my secondary, you know, flip on during the commercial breaks. Tony Pollard looked fantastic. And I think the way we need to start treating this and thinking about this is this is just kind of the Cleveland backfield. Right. Um, and, you know, Zeke is going to get his work. I think he still should be 
uh, is, should be, however you want to look at it, should be the preferred back in short yardage and at the goal line. And, you know, Tony Pollard scored in this game. I'm not saying they're not going to give him chances in the same way Kareem Hunt gets chances. But I do think that he's going to be the preferred option there. But you're right. Tony Pollard has become the more efficient player between the 20s. And so if that went to 60-40 in, in exchange for an 80-20 split of Zeke in the red zone and, um, you know, short yardage type stuff, I think that's where we're headed. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be an either or. I could still see Zeke being a low-end RB1, right. uh, high-end RB2 with this being the case. But uh, the Tony Pollard shares that we that we've, you know, purchased or that we've, you know, uh, cultivated over the last couple of years are going to pay pay dividends this season. I think he's got that RB2 uh, high-end flex uh, as almost a guarantee moving forward. Let me ask you a question. It might sure. be an easy answer, but I'm, I'm thinking about the opposite side of this question. I'm not sure what I would do. So obviously we've been heavy on the Tony Pollard bandwagon, but mm-hmm. what if you're sitting in one of your many leagues where you do roster Tony Pollard and the Zeke manager says, screw it, and he offers you Zeke straight up for Tony Pollard? What are you doing? Ew, boy. Wow. Uh, I oof. I would take Zeke because I do believe a bounce back is coming and people people see the name and they go crazy. I Zeke, I think, is one of these names that's going to hold value beyond his production. Sure. Um, you think just, you could day trade Zeke and get more I, on the back end? Yeah, I trade. think that's where I got to come down on this, but that's kind of a cop-out, I'm not going to lie, because if I just had to pick one for the rest of their career and I couldn't trade him, I do think it's Tony Pollard at this point, and I know um, people are not going to maybe like that, but that's sort of where I'm at. And I well, guess I don't think we should be there. afraid to be bold. I, I've, right. I've well, been out there on Tony I've been saying Tony Pollard's better than Zeke for a year now. A and year I'm now, sure at least, If yeah. I had amplified that voice and if i was someone getting twenty thousand twitter followers and i had eight million people listening to this podcast i'm sure i would have caught a lot of flack for that but since i'm still relatively anonymous no one's called me out on it (laughs) but i actually believed it and i wasn't afraid to be bold about it and sometimes um, i mean i'm not trying to brag here but if you feel that strongly about something don't be afraid of it just because it's different from consensus thinking Nope, and it's it's trending in the right direction, and I thank you because you 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 know it's really turned me on. I bought a bunch of shares, and you know I know we got them in a couple of leagues we managed together. So uh, I'm enjoying the spoils of Tony Pollard, and I'm excited about what we're going to see going forward. I think we better move it to this last matchup so we can keep her right under an hour. Uh, boy, this was the game that I was most excited for, and uh, it really it, it didn't alleviate any of our real concerns, especially on the San Francisco side. Uh, that's really where I've got the bigger take. So I'm going to save them for a second here. Uh, Jalen Hurts definitely didn't have his best game, but I think in terms of um, what we've expected or what we were sort of worried might happen at the start of the season, I think Jalen has alleviated a lot of those concerns. Certainly this was not perfect. Uh, Atlanta, frankly, wasn't a perfect performance, uh, but he's out there. He continues to make plays. He actually probably deserved to get a little bit more paid off in this game than he did. Uh, made a really nice throw to Jalen Rager down the sidelines for what was initially called the touchdown. Uh, upon review, Rager stepped out like five yards before catching the ball. Uh, so that one got overturned. He had a really nice throw down the field to Devonta Smith that Smith wasn't quite able to correct on. Uh, and it really looked to me like the San Francisco 49ers had a game plan of trying to be physical with these Philadelphia receivers. And actually, um, Smith drew a couple pass interferences early. 
Um, but ultimately, I think San Francisco did a good job. They weren't going to call pass interference on every every down, and I, there wasn't a ton of separation out there. Um, I would preach preach patience and calmness with Devonta Smith. He looked like um, still the guy that we you know have come to expect. Just like I said, couldn't make the one big play and uh, on an end zone target drew pass interference. So. Um, reason to believe that there's good things coming for him. It was a little bit strange to see Dallas Goddard not involved until almost the third quarter. Uh, but, you know, kind of a similar problem uh, with what I mentioned about Cincinnati. It felt like the Eagles receivers, because of how physical uh, San Fran was being, that they couldn't really uh, generate a ton of separation, whether there's holding or pass interference or not. Uh, they kind of needed somebody to go make a physical catch, and Goddard did that late, and I think – uh, maybe earned himself a chance to get involved in this thing a little bit sooner next week. Uh, I know I saw Zach Kurtz is now on the COVID list. It sounds like he was vaccinated. So if he can uh, be, you know, test negative in the next like two days or something, he can still be eligible for Monday night's game. Uh, but I think better better days are ahead for Dallas Goddard. Um, real quick, the Philadelphia running backs both looked good. There wasn't a ton of running space, but uh, Miles Sanders, in his very patented way, made it, you know, the first tackle or miss almost every time. Uh, Gainwell continues to show more power than I thought was in there. The, the pass catching skill set um, and the wiggle we saw at Memphis is definitely there. But he uh, he took some plays in between the tackles and, and really, you know, ground some extra yards at the tackle point. He looked really good. Um, all in all, this Philly offense didn't have a great day, but I think um, there's still a lot of reasons to be pretty encouraged. The O-line played uh, frankly, better on pass downs than I expected him to. Kind of didn't create a lot of running room, but uh, did give Hurts some time. I think good things are coming for the Eagles uh, down the road. The Niners, on the other hand, this was one of the most frustrating things to watch. Obviously, they do win this game. Uh, they're now 2-0. and um, They have a really talented roster, and I watched this game, and what it kind of reminded me of, of or what it – what it made me think of is the L.A. Rams under Jared Goff, uh, where you you know you've got an inventive play caller that doesn't just want to throw the ball six, eight yards down the field, but they continually have to run screen passes to Kyle Juszczyk um, and sort of this dopey sort of bootleg play action. If the running game's not working, nothing's working. Offense, and that's all because of Jimmy G. And Jimmy G, aside from a couple really nice throws to Debo Samuel, was abysmal in this game. He was absolutely awful. I don't know how they actually got out of here with a win. Uh, I'm so ready for the change to happen. I think, frankly, Kyle Shanahan has got to be feeling the change happening. Um, And I think all of this sort of correlates back to why Brandon Ayuk is not somewhat even involved in this offense. And it's because this offense does not do what Brandon Ayuk does well, which is standard pass, drop back, find a way to get open, either man coverage or zone. That's who Brandon Ayuk is. This offense is a pure gimmick-based offense right now, and that suits Devo Samuel. Uh, To some degree, I guess that suits George Kittle. But it was so uninspiring to watch Jimmy Garoppolo. Just uh, the one target Brandon Ayuk did get, uh, or actually, I guess he got two car- targets. One was a catch. One was a wide-open post route where Ayuk had a big play waiting. Uh, Garoppolo threw it 10 feet over his head. Uh, it was hard to watch. And I, if Trey Lance isn't ready, okay. I, they know that, and I don't. But after watching this performance by by Jimmy Garoppolo and watching just sort of how Kyle Shanahan felt like he was perpetually managing 
a multi-year starter, a guy that you're paying 25, 28 million, I don't know exactly what the number is, a good chunk of money. It just feels like an awful lot to keep holding this guy's hand when you have Trey Lance behind him who can do so much more. Uh, it was this was this game was incredibly frustrating to watch. I'm advocating you go buy Brandon Ayuk. I I can't imagine his value will be more depressed than it is right now. I really I really think they got to get him going. Trenton Sherfield, Juwan Jennings scores in this game for Pete's sakes <laughs> on a route that anybody could have run. George Kittle essentially brought three players to him. There's no reason Brandon Ayuk shouldn't be in this offense, shouldn't be producing. And you know, if I could see a lack of effort from him. That would be one thing, but he he's not a particularly good blocker, but he's out there sticking his nose in, in all these screenplays that I'm referencing. He looks like he's engaged mentally. I don't quite understand what's going on, but uh, the talented player that we love is still there. Uh, I'm making a call. I'm getting close to just saying screw it and making sure my pro, uh, my portfolio is 100% Brandon Ayuk because uh, I think you can buy in an extreme discount right now, and I don't I – don't, I don't see why this isn't going to turn around in, in a week or two. I think it's going to be quick-lived. Well, I think you're going to have a hard time getting to 100% because we play in a league together where I own him, and I'm not selling him for scraps. But if you're willing to pay you know, twice his asking price, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm super mad at Kyle Shanahan. I don't, this is the most frustrating team in the NFL right now. Um, I, I don't get it. I really don't. I think he's – he's ego tripping a little bit here where he's like, I can yep. still win doing all this nonsense. Yes, that's... It's it's just get over yourself, man. Let the well, best players play. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you know, really the strategy they've took for two weeks is our defense, uh, or basically your quarterback scares us less than our own quarterback does. That's been the mantra for two weeks in Jared Goff and Jalen Hurts. That's not going to work Sunday night in Green Bay. I believe in Green Bay. If not, it's against Green Bay on Sunday night this week. So uh, you're you're not going to be able to play that style of football. And I think uh, kind of the way we alluded to Cincinnati at Chicago being a big game for Andy Dalton. Now, you never want to see it sort of happen the way it did. But we did kind of talk about this being a big game for Dalton. And frankly, he, he rose to the challenge, didn't, didn't get, you know, uh, got very unfortunate to get hurt. In the same regard, I would say if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter, but if he goes and falls flat on their face and they look like the same offense that uh, can only, you know, manufacture offense as opposed to actually uh, win downfield and make some things happen with with actual playmakers and throwing the ball, uh, I think we're going to see Trey Lance sooner rather than later. Uh Jimmy was oh he was he was so unimpressive. I'm I sorry. I really wish this team was the one too. There's I, right same. It's here. not even me being a salty fantasy manager. It's just like come on, man. It's just bad football. It was bad football, and it was like I said. Debo Samuel seems to be the only one he has a rapport with. And by the way, Debo's this is real for Debo. I don't think Debo's going anywhere. I think Brandon Ayuk can ascend back up to where he was without Debo having to take a massive fall. So I think. If that's sort of, you know, if when we see this changeover happen, there might actually be a chance to go by Debo. He's still a phenomenal player. We Whoa. didn't give him enough credit coming into the season, I think, on the premise of uh, Ayuk and Kittle and, and you know, the, the too many mouths to feed argument. Debo's a damn good player, and he was a damn good player here again. Uh, I just want to see the change. Could there happen. be like a sharp argument? about buying Debo now similar to your argument for selling Zeke I, last week just inverted where 
the sharps are anticipating Ayuk's return to fold and they're like, yeah, I can get out on Debo right now. Yeah. And maybe the smart angle is to just buy him right now. Cause I agree. I don't think, um, Ayuk being what we expect him to be down the road is going to really take much away from Debo. I think they can operate, um, independently from each other at the same level that Debo is now and what we expect Ayuk to operate at down the road. Well, and I think Debo being able to do some of the more vertical stuff that he's done in this most recent season is only going to help Ayuk when eventually he does get going. Some of what he does so well and Debo does so well, is there's some overlap there, and I'd prefer to see them be able to be used as interchangeable parts. Uh, so I'm very encouraged at what I say. I don't think Debo is just uh, this is a flash in the pan. I think uh, right. I think this is for real, and I think we all knew he was a good player. I just think that there was a lot of worry about where he'd fall in the pecking order of targets. And whether or not I think IU comes back, I don't think Debo is going anywhere. Agreed. All right. Well, that was our last matchup. Uh, There's another fun week of NFL football. I will say the noon games were kind of low scoring. It was kind of a boring, uh, mm-hmm. boring start to the weekend. But things got ratcheted up at three o'clock for sure. With that Minnesota uh, Arizona game was high scoring. The Dallas LA game was a lot of fun. Uh, it was another fun week of football. We got a, a fun game here on on Monday night. We got Detroit. Uh, Green Bay, so not that uh, not that we want to uh, alienate any Packer fans, but uh, go Lions because I think we probably have a better chance at chasing chasing the Lions down than we do the Packers. But uh, <laughs> I don't know; it's all looking bad in in Skull Nation here right now. So maybe we don't even need to worry about it too much. Uh, I think for the next show, we're gonna do, last week we did last chance to buy, and I know our list didn't exactly hit a home run, but I think we're just going to kind of turn that on its head and do last chance to sell players. Um, I know we didn't talk much about that Sunday night, that Sunday night football game, but Clyde Edwards, Solar with his lack of efficiency and then the fumble to end that game. Uh, boy, he's a guy that I feel like uh, you may have missed your last chance to sell, right. but uh, there's a chance here. And so it'll be essentially names of guys that we think the time to get out is now almost irregardless of if you're contending or you're, uh, rebuilding these are players that you kind of need to try to jettison off your team before the value f- completely falls out. Uh, so that'll be Thursday's show along with, we'll do our game draft. We'll do Debbie spotlight. Uh, I was pretty excited to see some of the names that I talked about in Debbie spotlight this week did okay. And some were, uh, knocked out of the game very, very early. So we'll talk about that on Thursday and I'll give you another game to watch for this weekend. Uh, Newt's you got one big thing you want to get us out of here on or, or what do you got? Uh, Skull Vikings. We're going fifteen and two. Fifteen and two. Wow, that's that. So yeah, r- rallying off the. the we rest will of never the game. miss another kick ever again. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that. I it's it's I, wishful. It's wishful thinking. I appreciate it. It's news. great to have given up on your team after two weeks. It's super fun. I love it. At least I have fantasy football to keep me warm at night. I, yeah, if I didn't have fantasy, the season would already be over. It'd be pretty rough. Uh, but that's why we love this this uh, stupid little game attached to uh, a stupid little game. So, yeah, uh, we'll see you again on Thursday. Newt's always fun talking to you. Uh, please rate and review the podcast. Hit subscribe. Uh, we really appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.